John, 1 John chapter 1, and we can look this morning at verses 5 to verse 10. 1 John chapter 1, and I'm looking at verses 5 to verse 10. In the last few days, we've um, perhaps experienced something that we're not quite used to, something that's quite strange for us, days and days, almost weeks, of unending sunshine. Uh, days and weeks where we can sit and bask and get a can of sorts and enjoy the sun and in general people look to be happier, people have been smiling a lot more, every go there's conversations about the sun, um, ever, every conversation I had last week was all about how hot it is um, and I couldn't agree more. Um, but then on Friday the air became thick. I was upstairs in the office and I heard this noise and it was a rain starting to fall gently on the roof and after a while, of course, it became heavier and heavier and before a while it was completely pelting. And then it grew darker and darker and then we heard the thunder and the lightning it grew even darker. And for a second, it was quite exciting, maybe that was just me, but it was quite exciting when we see a storm roll in, when we see the darkness closing in, and we're there watching it take place, we're there watching it just happen around us, and there we are in the middle of it, observing all that's happening. If we're to be honest with ourselves this morning, as I hope we will be, it's true as a nod, but even as Christians, very often, and to our shame, we're, we find ourselves being drawn towards the darker side of things. We find ourselves being drawn towards uh, sin, being drawn towards the, the path of darkness, as we'll see as we go on to look at these verses. Perhaps this darkness offers us a, a momentary pleasure or a momentary joy. Perhaps we're tempted by looking back to who or what we once were, the, the ways we once acted, the people we once engaged with in wrong things, and perhaps that still has a draw on our lives. Perhaps that still occasionally draws us back in, and we find ourselves being swayed. Interestingly, for this book and this letter of John, this first letter of John, we wouldn't really know who he was writing to compared to other letters. In the, in the New Testament we have, you know, the obvious clues who the letter was for. In First John, the clues don't really exist for us. We know that he was writing to Christians, and we know that he was writing to them because they were facing, as a church, some situation or situations. They were wandering into danger. They were wandering into sin. And there's hints they were wandering into heresy. So John is writing this letter, a wonderful letter, a carefully worded letter, a precise letter, a letter where he, he doesn't pull any punches, he says what he means. And it's a letter we can spend some time this morning just looking at, 
these few verses from verse 5 to verse 10 where we see John forming his argument for why and how we should live as Christians. That we live in the light of God, that we walk in light with him and with our brothers and sisters. God willing, as we gather this evening, like we heard, to celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we join together to share in the broken, uh, in the bread and the wine, and the symbols of the broken body of our Saviour. It's good for us to be reminded just now of the glorious God we worship. To be reminded of our, our basis for our fellowship with Him and with each other. To be reminded that we are here serving the God who is the God of light. That's where we begin looking uh, at verse 5. God is light. There's no time this morning, nor in a, a thousand, thousand sermons, to even delve enough into what this actually is saying to us. We can grasp at it, and the wonderful thing is we can grasp at it. Scripture gives us enough to, to work out and to, to dig into what it means when we say that God is light, in whom there's no darkness at all. Look with me at verse 5 where John writes, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. It's interesting to note that John, he, he prefaces this amazing, simple message that God is light. Before he says that, he makes clear where that wonderful message came from. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. <coughs> he reminds the church this is something that's been passed down to him. And passed down to him from God himself. This is not just something John has decided to, to write that sounds nice. It's not something John decided to put in to, to kind of give a wee encouragement to this church in trouble. John wrote this because he was inspired by the Spirit. John wrote this because, as we'll see, he walked with Jesus and he saw this in action. These are not the thoughts of man. This is truth straight from God, as is, of course, his whole word. John heard these words straight from his Saviour as he walked and served and ate beside Jesus in his years of ministry. John saw in a very real sense that God is light. And then he's inspired here many years later by the Holy Spirit to write these few simple but incredible words down. Why does it matter to us? Why did John feel the need to tell the church that this is a message he's heard, this is a message he declares? John could have easily just said, God is light, that's enough, surely. Why did he feel the need to remind them this is a message he has heard, a message we have heard, and the message comes from God? It should matter to us, even now, as we read God's word, to remind ourselves and to understand that not one word in Scripture is there just to fill in the space. Not one word is there just to, to pad out the chapter. Each word is God-breathed, God-inspired, the very living words of our Saviour. And we know, we hear this and we know this, but it's good to grasp this before we go on any further. Each thing, as John himself declares in verse 5, is from God. Each word and each phrase is of utmost importance because of that. And John reminds us that Scripture has its authority from God Himself. And this is necessary, but it's essential that he, he, he hammers this home before he then goes on 
to share the simple but wonderful truth that God is light. God is light. Three simple words in the face of it. Three simple words that we can read and, and skim over but not really engage with. In the making of this simple three-word statement, this, this confession, we're being told something about the attributes of the God we serve. Something, a small part, we'll be described to a small part of who he is. Like we said, in all reality, we can only grasp at this, but the wonderful thing is we will have all eternity to learn even more about it. So what does this phrase convey to us about God, about who he is, about what that means for us? First of all, it emphasises the purity and the holiness of God. The wonderful words from Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. We could pick hundreds, of course, more verses like that, where God is magnified, his holiness, his purity, his perfection. God is righteous. There's no deceit, there's no lies in God, there's no corruption in God. We know ourselves that even a small bit of power can corrupt any one of us so easily. But in God we see there is no corruption. The God who is powerful over all things. The God who maintains power of everything and over everything. Yet he is completely and remains completely pure. No corruption. In God, in the light of God, all things are made clear as we sang in a psalm. In God's light we see light. We can attempt to view the world as I was trying to share with, with the children. I hope no one here heckles me. Like they did. We, we attempt to share the world. We, we attempt to, to view the world. We attempt to, to see and to, to understand things. But as the Christians here know, not until the Spirit opens our eyes do we actually understand the Gospel. Not until the Spirit opens our eyes do we actually come and begin to understand who God is, what he's done for us, and what that means for us. Everything is made clear in God. In God's light we see things as they truly are. There's nowhere and nothing too dark for God. He sees all things. There's nothing hidden from him. As we sang in, in Psalm 139, of course, as the psalm carries on, we see in that psalm that darkness and heaven and the depth of the sea, nothing can hide this poor man from God's gaze. He feels it wherever he goes. He understands and knows that God made him in the womb and that God follows him and knows him everywhere he tries to run, everywhere he tries to escape from God. And we begin to, to hit a wonderful problem here. We begin to run out of words to adequately describe what this phrase actually means. Without repeating ourselves, we begin to realise that the simple phrase, God is light, that is so far above our description, so far above what we can manage to, to put together in a sentence we can manage to put together in a, in a ceremony. God shines in his glorious radiance. 
his perfect, pure light and his glory. This is the God that we worship this morning. This is the God we bow down to right now. Like we said earlier, of course, John walked with Jesus. He lived with Jesus. He, as we know, was uh, close to Jesus. John wasn't just pulling these words out of the air. He was inspired of his foot and he was inspired by his life, his real walk with his Lord and with his Saviour. And John himself in his Gospel, in John 8 verse 12, he records the words of Jesus saying, again Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Words from Jesus himself, words that echo the many verses in the Old Testament about the, the Messiah who would come and illuminate his people. Again, words that remind us that Jesus is here, full of light, full of purity. He is light and from him flows, flows light and life. You know, one of the words from Hebrews 1, chapter, verse 3. God, the Son, Jesus, the Son is a radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his wonderful word. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So John here starts off in these few simple words in verse 5 by laying down a foundation for us, a foundation reminding his readers and reminding us here today of who God is, of why we worship him, of what, in a small way, of what he is like with respect. He then goes from this foundation, this reminder, to then dealing with the darkness that these Christians have been facing in the church, the darkness these Christians have found themselves falling into. That brings us to verses 6 down to verse 7. Because God is light, we must walk in the light. In these verses, verse 67, we begin to really see the situation John is dealing with. The, the, the tone changes in verses 1 down to verse 5. He's echoing almost the first chapter of the Gospel where he's talking about the life which existed with the Father has now appeared to us, talking about Jesus and eternity and Jesus on earth. But now in verse 6 and 7 and verse 6 onwards, he begins dealing with the reality of the situation. He's reminded them who, who God is. He's reminded them of their place before God. And now he turns to them. There are Christians in this group that John is writing to. Christians in this church that John is saying that they're walking in the darkness. What does this look like? What does it look like when a Christian is walking in darkness? This phrase, to be walking in darkness, it does not lend itself to assuming this is just a, a fleeting, kind of passing phase. The idea of walking in darkness, it's a much scarier image than that. This is not a Christian. This is not a Christian who is battling with sin. This is not a Christian who finds himself sinning but who hates the sin. This is a Christian who is happy to walk in darkness. They are happy to be engaged in sin. 
They are following after what they want to do. And this word here, this word of, of walking, it, it carries with it a sense of constant and persistent, that a will, a constant behaviour. The same word is used in other places in the context of a behaviour or a constant practice. In other words, the person here who is walking in darkness, the person here who has who is found themselves enjoying again or falling back into darkness, that they've stopped fighting against sin. That they're there happily and they're there willingly. This person in verse 6 they perhaps look good on the outside. They've got everything sorted. They come to church. They go to their, their home groups. They, they read their Bible. They can talk about God, talk about theology. They can do all the actions. They can perhaps even stand and preach. But in reality, their life is a complete mess. Not in a sense that they're struggling with sin, but in the sense that they have given over themselves to sin. On the outside, they're great, usually. On the inside, they're not living in the light of their God. And the question that has to be asked, and only you can answer this, is, is this you right now? It's between you and God. But please consider this as we look at these verses. Only you know if it's true. So what causes this fall back into darkness? What are the main causes that lead a Christian to be walking in darkness again. The most common cause is an unrepentant lifestyle where the Christian is engaged in sin and sin they enjoy. It's a pet sin with respect. It's a sin they just don't want to give up and they've stopped repenting. They've stopped coming to God and saying, I am baffling of this, help me, I am sorry, forgive me. That's all long gone. They are now on their own quite happily engaged in whatever they are engaged in. And the reality is, each one of us, if we let any sin go unchecked in our life, if we let ourselves get away with sin without repenting of it, we will slowly, as I'm sure most of us know, begin to feel more and more comfortable doing whatever we're doing. That sin becomes smaller and smaller, and our conscience becomes ever quieter, and we find ourselves very quickly drifting away from God. And eventually, that sin will overtake our lives. Sometimes we Christians end up back walking in the darkness because they've lost sight of the glory of God. That's part of the reason why John starts off with this reminder. But the more we look to Jesus, the more we look to our Saviour, the more we study uh, not just academic, but the more we think about it, the more we engage with him, the less room there is in our lives for sin. Not that we won't sin, but the temptations will be battered back. The more we look to Christ, the more we engage with him, the more we look and think about God's wonder and God's glory, the more our sin will be battered and out of our lives. Uh, tied in with that very often a fall back into darkness results or, or is the result of lacking in our reading, lacking in our prayers, lacking in our gathering of fellowship. Of course, not doing these things out of habit can be just as bad. 
but not doing them at all. Not reading God's word, not wanting to hear what God is saying to us, not praying to God, not wanting to converse with our God and our Saviour, not wanting to gather with God's people any more than we have to. And by doing that, we actually remove ourselves even more from our only sources of help and comfort. The very things that will cast light in our darkness, we draw back away from. There are many other routes into this situation. There are many paths that lead a Christian to walk in darkness again. At this time, when we come to remember the broken body and the shed blood of our Saviour, now is the time for us to grapple with these thoughts. Now is the time for us to, to see where we stand before God. And if this is if this is hurting us right now, not my words, but the word of God, if scripture right now is speaking to you in your situation and you know that this is you, now is the time to deal with it. Now is the time to come to God. The question is, is there a way out? I've gone too far. I've, I've, I've sinned too much. I haven't prayed, read my Bible, engaged in church. I haven't talked about God, talked to God, thought about God, cared enough about God. It's too late for me. I loved him once. I served him once. I still do the actions, but I just feel too far away. Has God now cast this Christian away from himself forever. If we find ourselves walking in darkness, is there still any hope for us at all? Look with me please at verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. What in verse 6 is damaged by us walking in darkness? When a Christian walks in darkness, it removes from us the benefits of being a Christian. The many benefits, the many uh, graceful benefits God gives to us. We find ourselves moving away from fellowship with God and fellowship with each other. We find ourselves slowly losing even track of who and what we are. It removes us from the comfort, the comfort and the peace that Jesus gives us but it does not remove us from the saving work of Jesus. If he has saved us, he will not lose us. The, 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 our efforts in sin do not and will not and cannot triumph God's power to save us. We do not live out the truth, as it says, in verse 6. We do not live by the truth. But it does not say, as we'll see later on, the truth is no longer in us. It's still there. But we're not living by it. We're not walking by it. Our lives are a mess. We're not living the life we're supposed to be as a Christian. We're not receiving the gracious benefits of God as a Christian. So what is the answer? How do we escape as Christians this darkness? We find ourselves in sin and constant sin. How do we escape back out of this darkness, back into the light of God? Well, let's see how John carries on his thought. John in verse 7 contrasts with verse 6 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. The person who's walking in the light, they're still receiving the, the full benefits of being a Christian, if you like. They're still receiving the, the gifts, the, the gracious, wonderful gifts of salvation. They're still called to serve. They're still serving the church. They're still worshipping God as they should. They still have fellowship, real, open, free fellowship with God and with his people. He then brings his conclusion, his thought, with a reminder. A reminder that both these Christians, the one in darkness and the one in light, they both need to hear the same message. The last words of verse 7. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' Son purifies us from all sin. This applies to both the ones in life, ones in light, and ones in darkness. God and his work and his son it purifies us from all sin. Both these Christians need to hear the message. The Christian who is doing well and the Christian who is not, they both need to hear and be reminded of this message. How do we escape the pit of darkness? Do we do it by attempting to be good Christians, by clawing our way out? We find ourselves, of course, falling back in pretty quickly. Do we do it by, by striving, by going to church, by, by reading scripture day and night? Do we do it by effort? We find, of course, that we can't. So how do we find ourselves walking again in the light? And the answer is simple. It's one we all know. We must see and be reminded that as the blood of Jesus, his life, his perfect life, and his death on the cross, his resurrection, his work, his service, his obedience, and his love, that, that alone is what saved us in the first place, and that alone is what will bring us back to himself. His work, his salvation that we receive. It's him that will rescue us it's him that keeps us. It's him that will purify us. It's so hard, it's so easy in a sense to stand here and to say this, but in reality, if this is you right now, you know it's you. And if right now you're sitting here and you're thinking in your mind, and this section describes you perfectly, if you're walking in darkness, if you find yourself lost, and here is the answer to your pain and your misery and your confusion. It's the same answer that saved you. It's the same answer that saved all of us. Same answer that all of us need to be reminded of. We look to Jesus, one that will purify us from all sin, from all our sin. There is a hope. Even if we find ourselves walking in the darkness, God is greater than our sin. His salvation is greater than our efforts to go back or to escape him or to, to somehow live perhaps a fruit in both camps. We find here John reminding us that it's a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous place to be to walk in darkness as a Christian, but we are not forgotten. God has not let go of us, and that all we need to do is turn to Jesus. Turn again to him. 
and his blood purifies us from all sin. Then thirdly, in verses 8 to verse 10, John then reminds us that all Christians sin. As if to almost hammer home the fact that he's not saying that Christians never sin. Some Christians that I've discussed with friends who read this passage and they read it and they somehow read from this that Christians, if they sin, that's it, and Christians don't sin when they're saved. But John himself in verse 8 quite clearly says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So as we said, if we're Christians, when we walk in the darkness and don't live out the truth, the truth is still in us. Notice the wording of verse 8. If we're calling ourselves Christians but saying we don't sin anymore or saying we're not still sinners, we don't still fall, if we're saying that, then John says the truth is not in us. Not we're not walking by the truth, as he said, uh, about the Christian in darkness. But if we are calling ourselves a Christian and claiming we, were, we are without sin, then the truth is not in us to begin with. It's a strong, strong word. It's a clear and simple fact. If we are saved and we think we have a finished article, if we are not aware of sin and battling sin in our life, then we're in a dangerous, dangerous place. This is not right for us to walk and remain in the darkness. It's also not right for us to, to think or to see ourselves as something we're not. And John reminds us that we're not sinless. We will never be sinless until the day, of course, we arrive before God in heaven. God has made clear in his word that all have fallen short of his glory. All deserve punishment. All deserve wrath from him. It's also made clear that all who cry out to him will be saved. And all those who are his will never be lost. All of this is encouraging for the Christians here today. It's encouraging that no matter how our walk is going at the moment, if we only turn to Jesus, and remind ourselves of his beauty. Remind ourselves of what he's done for us. Remind ourselves of what he's doing for us right now. Remind ourselves of his many promises to us. Remind ourselves that God lovingly warns us to watch ourselves. That God lovingly tells us that even though we walk in darkness, there is still hope in Jesus. Special encouragement, of course, to those who are joining the church by membership. Jesus is the very base, the very foundation of all that we are. He is our only support. And he has saved you and he knows you. But for those here who as of yet are not Christians, even though Christians will mess up again and again and Christians will do what is wrong again and again, reality is they are still secure in Jesus. The simple question is, where is your security? What do you base your hope on? What do you base your eternal hope on? When darkness surrounds you, when you find yourself lost, what do you do? 
พบฐานอยู่ดี Come to Jesus. Come to the one who is described as light, the light of this world, the one who can illuminate your life, who will give you a new life, the one who will transform you, the one who will open your eyes to see the wonder of who He is, who will open your eyes to, to show you what He has done for you. You've heard us how many times before, but don't let it wash over you again. Come to Him, believe in Him. Trust in Him. Believe what He says is true. Believe that He can save you. Believe that He can give you a new life. Believe that He can hold and sustain you. Don't waste any more time. A reminder for each one of us that yes, we will sin. As Christians, we can never save. There is no sin in us. And even as Christians here, if we find ourselves almost lost in our sin. Then there's still hope that because God is greater than our sin, because the salvation of God, because His power is eternal, that if we are His, He will never let us go. Because He is light, He will never let our darkness overpower that light. God will sustain His people. God will keep us safe and secure in. Let's bow our head quickly for a word of prayer. Uh, our Lord God, we thank you for this chance. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that we that we read in it. Even these few short verses, we praise your name for it. Lord, forgive me for anything I said was incorrect. We we give you praise. The power is not in the word. The power is not in the preacher. The power is in your word. Your word alone. Lord, remind us as we go on even this new week to battle against sin. And to look on you and remind ourselves that you are truly the God of light. Help us to look to you and worship you as the God who is pure, who is holy, the God who is above all things, the God who is in control of all things, the God who sees into even the darkest parts of our lives, the darkest parts of this world. But yet, you are greater than all of that. Lord, humble us. We pray and help us to come to sing. Our final item of praise to do so with hearts and minds set on you, as we come to carry on this day. Help us to do so humbly. Christ's precious name. Amen. We can now sing. What kind of love is this? What kind of love is this? A gave itself for me. I am the guilty one, yet I go free. What kind of love is this? A love I have never known. I didn't even know his name. What kind of love is this?
you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon you now and forevermore.